Thank you, Gary. Merry Christmas. A few years back, I had the privilege of visiting with a colleague who's from India, and actually in northeast India. And we actually, when Andrew and I were in Ghana, we had the privilege of working with several colleagues from northeast India, sent from churches in northeast India, working alongside us in Ghana. And <clears throat> so th these colleagues asked, if I ever got the chance, would I come to India and greet their churches and thank their churches on SIM's behalf for sending them, these couples, to Ghana. And so in 2019, I actually had the privilege of traveling to Northeast India and getting into some of the remoter parts where our colleagues came from. And in the one town, in the city or the town of Longthlai, which is in southern part of Northeast India, you have to look at a map, there's a part of India that's on the east side. When I was in that town, I was meeting with, going to meet the family of one of our colleagues in Ghana who were still in Ghana, and I was traveling with another colleague who was in India at the time. And so we were staying in this guest house, and this other, the family was going to come meet us and take us to their home for a meal. Now, many people in Northeast India are a little bit shorter than I am. <laughs> and so it was about six o'clock in the evening and the knock came on the door of my room and I opened the door and this poor woman stood there. <clears throat> she, she literally jumped back. Now her sister had told her that I'm tall. But as she jumped back, she says, I knew you were tall, but I didn't realize that tall. <laughs> we have an opportunity this morning as we look into God's word to take a glimpse of God in ways that people in the nativity story, maybe they jumped back too. And it's the fact that God was made human. We get to meet God. How do, we, how do we perceive God? Maybe some of the kids, you know, it's the old man in the sky. Some of our Old Testament images, you know, that sort of invisible per person who did walk in the garden with Adam. There's the fire in the burning bush. There's the pillar of fire. There's the pillar of cloud. There's the cloud that filled the temple. There's the smoking mountains. We hear of the king, the judge. But then we get to see him. And it might completely change our perceptions. He turns out to be one of us. So let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life 
was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Overcome it, and it's also this word of has not comprehended, hasn't been able to grasp it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of human descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. And Father, as we look into this passage, Father, help us to hear what you would have us to hear. Amen. As we look at the stories in the Bible that tell us of Jesus' birth, you know, Matthew and Luke, we get the narrative stories. We, we hear of Mary and Joseph and Simeon and the shepherds and the wise men, the exile to Egypt. And you know what? Those are great narratives and they make great Christmas plays. Book of John a little harder to do that cute little kids play out of this passage isn't it but it's like John is saying okay Matthew and Luke they, they've painted that narrative and you've got some but let me take you backstage let's go into the backstage and he, let, what's the backstory here and so John takes us there and he takes us backstage to the backstory back to the beginning in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Do you think God was in the beginning? Do you think the Word was... John is like, the Word that I'm talking about, he was in the beginning, he was with God, it is God. And so John is just laying this out. Says, I'm telling you this story, but it goes way back. It's before the beginning of creation. He is the creator, and that's who I'm talking about. Why does John use this term, the word? I mean, we, I'm not going to go into, but the Greek word, the logos. we can sit here this morning and maybe we look at somebody across the room and say, mm, you know what, I've seen that person before. And we can describe them, what they're wearing, and do they have glasses, male, female. We can describe them, but there's only so much we know about them. 
When is, for some of you here, I can look around this room, some of you, obviously, you've, well, hopefully, you've probably heard me speak, but I have, we have maybe never spoken together. Others of you, we've spoken together, and we, we know each other a little bit. There's a few people in this room that spent a lot of time with me growing up, and they go, yeah, I know that guy. Because as I speak, the words that we use help us to get to know, get to know each other. John has this image here is the word. This is about God revealing himself. This wasn't just watching, you know, that that movie with just something happening, but not really. This is about God revealing himself to his people so that we understand not just see him in action but we understand why he is in action why he is doing what he is doing Jesus is this word and it's through Jesus that we get to know God because he is God we now have the word in all its authenticity so it raises this question for us Do you believe that the word that John is presenting here, that we see in this passage, that Jesus of the nativity, was he God? Do you believe that this morning? How would you describe God? And I talked a bit about this when we started. But for many of us, you know, we're, we're used to those Old Testament stories and, and they're true and they're right. He is the creator. I mean, think of some of the images that have been coming out from the new James Webb telescope. Like, phenomenal images of the universe. Our God is the creator of that. As we read through the Old Testament, the story of the flood. Yeah, that God is in that. He's the father of Abraham. He's the one who called Abraham. He was in that burning bush to Moses. He was in the plagues, in the exodus, the smoke and the thunder on Mount Sinai when the word was given, when the law was given. He was in the tabernacle. He was in the temple. And in the tabernacle, his dwelling was with his people but he was in the Holy of Holies. It was a place no one could see him. Moses was not allowed to see God on Mount Sinai. Those are the images of God, some of the images of God that we have through the Old Testament. How would you describe the God of Christmas? What I've just talked about in those Old Testament stories the pillar of fire, the cloud that fills the temple, the presence that no one can go near has become soft, cuddly, huggable, helpless, vulnerable. He was a refugee, had to flee. He was poor. He was God made human, God as a baby. What humility. 
We just sang that song. How many kings have abandoned his throne? How many kings? One. He became bound by time. Just contrast in your minds. The God of the Old Testament, you know, Mount Sinai, the thunder, the smoke, no one could approach. God hiding Moses so that he couldn't see him because he wasn't allowed to because Moses would die if he did to to the manger that's our God Hebrews 2.14 he shared our humanity this was about the word becoming flesh Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, he he says it this way in the message. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I think it's, yes. But actually, some of our neighborhoods are, frankly, they're a bit unfriendly. I'm not saying our neighborhood is unfriendly. We moved into our townhouse in the middle of COVID. We know who some of our neighbors are. I wouldn't say we really know any of our neighbors well. God becoming flesh and dwelling among us is a whole lot more than somebody moving into my street. This is somebody who wants to be part of my life. And the interesting thing is, in the Greek here, the word that's used is this translation of the Hebrew word for tabernacle. So we go back to the Old Testament. God had his tabernacle in the presence of his people, and yet they were the tabernacle was there and people lived around it John is saying the word has become flesh and he has tabernacled with us in the midst of us can you imagine how John's readers would have gone God God's done what he's with us he's and and note he's not just for me and not for you But this is a communal expression. God is in the midst of us. Together, we are his people. He is here with us. I'd like to read you a parable that the 19th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard put together. He says, suppose there was a king who loved a humble maiden. The king was like no other king. Every statesman trembled before his power. No one dared breathe a word against him because he had the strength to crush anybody. He was the king. And yet this mighty king was melted by love for a humble maiden who lived in a poor village in his kingdom. How could he declare his love for her? In an odd sort of way, he felt that his kingliness tied his hands. If he brought her to the palace and crowned her head with jewels and gave her royal robes, she would surely not resist because she dared not resist. But would she love him? She would say, yes, she loved him, of course. But would she really? Or would she live with him in fear, nursing a private grief for the life she left behind, for the friends that she left behind? 
Would she be happy at his side? How could he know for sure? If he rode to her forest cottage in his royal carriage and an armed escort waving bright banners, that too, that would overwhelm her. He did not want a cringing subject. He wanted a lover. He wanted an equal. She wanted her to forget all He wanted her to forget that he was a king and that she was a humble maiden and to let the shared love cross the gulf between them. For it's only in love that the unequal can be made equal. So the king, convinced that he could not elevate the maiden without crushing her freedom, resolved to descend to her. Clothed as a beggar, he approached her cottage and with a worn cloak fluttering in the breeze. But this was not a disguise. The king took on a totally new identity. He had renounced his throne to declare his love and to win hers. What Kierkegaard expressed in parable form is part of what the Apostle Paul expressed in these words, that who, being very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And John expresses and is giving this backstage story to the view of Christmas. And it's this this cosmic love story. What are we saying? He romanced a world torn apart. God is, God in the manger is because God is love. God is desiring. And the story is so grand, it's so outrageous, it's unbelievable that most people, at least in Israel, They didn't see it. They didn't expect it. They didn't believe it. And John points that out. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did believe him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. In Kierkegaard's king and maiden account, our king was truly human. He had had truly human and he left his throne. He abandoned his kingship to woo the maiden. He became truly a commoner. Our word became flesh was truly human, but you know what? He's also God and he remained God. Kierkegaard's story can't, can't handle that because in our minds, in our finite minds, how can you, you can't be two things. You can't be God and human. We, we, we struggle to comprehend that and yet God's word shows us this. We celebrate Christmas because what? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is about God becoming human, God becoming vulnerable, God becoming mortal, God becoming killable. Tim Keller uses that word. God became 
killable, the babe in the manger. God with us grew to be a man, was mortal, was killed for us. The babe in the manger was mortal, but the babe in the manger was also perfection. John was telling us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was there in creation. Nothing was made without him. We know from the creation story that everything that was made was made good. It was perfect. And we see that through the creation story. And God said it was good, and God said it, and God said it was very good about men and women. How many of you can describe a perfect world? Do we, what, what's a perfect world? Or how many of you can describe a perfect boss? Or a perfect spouse? Have you ever met Jesus? The babe in the manger was perfect humanity in the midst of a broken world. The world was in chaos. The world is in chaos. But the Christmas story isn't about some Marvel superhero blasting through space and saying, I'm here. The Christmas story is about God humbling himself and taking on humanity and coming as a baby and said, this, this is perfection. Totally human, totally God. And for us to see perfection just sort of burst onto the scene, the word becoming flesh, it blows our concept of reality apart because when we think about reality, what was that phrase, reality bites? We live in a broken world. There's a world of chaos and yet we celebrate Christmas because God loved the world so much he says I'm going to show the world what perfection is this wasn't the grand rescue mission the babe in the manger is a cosmic love story and saying I am coming because I want to be as equal remaining God but also fully human it caused us to grapple with this this morning. Do I really believe this? A- am I all in? The word became flesh. Back in Matthew, we saw it the other week. God with us, Emmanuel. God has become human. There, we, can't, we can't sit on the fence at Christmas you can't say yeah, yeah 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 you either say yes the babe in the manger is the god of the universe or you dismiss him and he's another fairy tale you have that that's the choice we have this morning friends do i believe it that god loved the world so much that he became human that he experienced the whole range of emotions for us whole range of experiences Chris mentioned last week you know 
the fact that it's quite likely that Jesus lost Joseph, his human father. He experienced that loss. He has experienced what it means to be human. He understands. Emmanuel, God with us, has tabernacled with us. He, is, um, he has experienced what it is. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the babe in the manger grew up to be a man not just to rescue us, but because he loved us. God is love. God broke through into our broken world in the manger. That love carried on, grew up, went to the cross and died. Do you believe that this morning? If you don't believe that this morning, you have the opportunity to put that right. The love that God poured into creation was so powerful that that love became human. Do you believe that? If not, take this opportunity, repent and believe. To those of you that are here this morning that do believe, and you're saying, yeah, of course I believe. Well, okay. What difference has it made to you? Here are some things that Jesus then, as a man, said to his people. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The babe in the manger, God in love, breaking through into our broken world, to his disciples said this. And then in his prayer to the Father before the cross, he says, if you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, speaking of the disciples. And then after the cross, after his resurrection, then Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you. And he's speaking to the disciples here in the upper room. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. There's no surprise to us here this morning. We know from Scripture, we've heard it, it taught here that we are to be witnesses, that we are to share in the light. You know, John, John was a witness to the light. We are to be witnesses, witnesses to his love, witnesses to his perfection, witnesses to his humility, witnesses to his humanity. We don't live in that era of the Old Testament of pillars of fire and pillars of cloud and smoking mountains. We live in the era where God has been with us. We have seen him. We have held him. We've beheld his glory as a babe. We get to be his children. He invites us into fellowship with him. We're no longer in that where God is the God of the Holy of Holies. On this side of Calvary, we don't need the tabernacle. We don't need the priests. We don't need the sacrifices. We don't need religion. Because love has broken through and said, I want to be in relationship. Love, true love, God's love is so powerful, it could not, would not be constrained by darkness. We read that in that passage. 
The darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not comprehend the love of God. It could not grasp it. Love broke through and revealed itself as the babe in the manger. So the God who seemed at sometimes remote, at sometimes distant, as we come into the nativity stories, for the most part, God has been silent to the people of Israel for 400 years. 400 years. 400 years ago, what were you doing? Probably not much, and you probably don't know who was alive 400 years ago. I mean, and yet, we see the babe in the manger. God became human. God identified with us, identified with human life, and made his dwelling with us. And in that dwelling with us, God's love reached us. Yes, it was a particular time and a particular place in history, but that perfect love was made perfectly human. Did I just do something? I think it'll come back. Um, it was not just a one-time event. It replayed itself and ought to replay itself in history, but not because Christ keeps coming again and again, but because God has commissioned us his people, his children, that we should be able to demonstrate and live out the reality of how that babe in the manger is to be seen by our world today. He became truly human. Mary said yes. Joseph said yes. Do we say yes? Do we surrender? And in that, when we get to live that out, that fullness of the word becoming flesh, do we do that well together? Again, God made his dwelling with us. How do we dwell with each other? Do we dwell in the same way? Do we live that attitude out in our relationships to each other? This isn't a faith of solitude. This is a faith of community. We are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And together we get to show, to demonstrate God's love to the world that came that first Christmas. That first Christmas, yes, it was a particular time and place. We as God's people get to do it everywhere. God becoming human, making his dwelling among us, having his love reach us. That's lovely. What does it mean to you? Have we surrendered? How do we live that out together? Do we reach out to the world around us? We are not perfect human beings, but God has given us the opportunity, has shown us what it is and lives within us and actually gives us the power to do that, to live that out but it can only happen because of the cross, which is the continuation of this love story. 
to redeem. And as I looked at this passage and was looking at this passage, I wasn't looking at it necessarily from the perspective of our previous sermon series of All for Christ, but when you pull back the curtain and go to the backstory of the nativity story of Christmas, you cannot help but come to the gospel message. It is the gospel. And that is as we surrender all for Christ. We are all together for Christ so that we reach all for Christ, all for Christ's glory. That is the gospel message. This is what God is calling us, has called us to in the Christmas story. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We no longer have Christ here on earth with us. But he was here, fully human, like us. But our tendency is not to think of our story as the babe in the manger, helpless, humble, vulnerable. Many times in our world, that is not the posture we take with the gospel message into the world around us. And yet, in a world in chaos, God's love so powerful did not break through in that Marvel superhero character. It broke through as a baby in a manger. Humble, helpless, mortal, killable. That was how perfection broke into our chaotic world. So to we, God's people, it leaves us with a call to surrender, to live our love out together, and as we live that out together, to demonstrate that to the whole world around us. We are called to proclaim this message to God's God's people in the world. The baby in the manger is central to the whole story of Scripture because it is another part of God's story of love for his creation. Susan read to us from the Nativity story and we came to the Beatitudes. Those Beatitudes, they, they flow from that attitude of humility of the God of the universe coming and being a babe in a manger and having to learn to walk, learn to talk, learn manners, learn his culture. What humility. And he understood that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn. He understood mourning. He understood what it was and what it meant to be meek, to reach the world. A baby in a manger, talk about meekness. There's no grand entry. He understood the pure in heart, what it takes. Those that hunger and thirst, they will be filled. Those that are peacemakers, to be called children of God. That, the Beatitudes, that Sermon on the Mount, flows from how God entered our world. The babe in the manger should inform us, help us understand how we will approach 
and share the goodness of Jesus with the world around us. We don't come in our Superman capes and say we're here to save the world. We present total humility, the babe in the manger. Yes, the creator God who made all those things, who was the God of Mount Sinai, smoking mountains, but came as the babe in the manger in love. Kierkegaard also says this. He says, God is not zealous for himself, but out of love wants to be equal and with the most lowly of the lowly. What power? When an oak tree is planted in a clay pot, the clay pot breaks. When new wine is poured into old wineskins, they burst. What happens then when God the King plants himself in me? Does he not become, do I not become a new person? Oh, this becoming, how difficult it really is. And how like birth itself, how terrifying. Kierkegaard said, it is indeed less terrifying to fall on my knees while the mountains tremble than to sit with him in love as his equal. The babe in the manger was about God coming and saying, Phil, I am fully human. I am your equal. I understand and I love you. Christmas, we celebrate this incarnation. The ultimate picture of God's missional love to us in the incarnation. Christ exemplified that lifestyle humility and meekness grace and truth it's not grace or truth it was grace and truth in embodied that is who our God is God made the world and in love and light that love that was put into creation was so powerful that it became human for us So let's remember this Christmas that because of the love of the Father that he sent Jesus and that we too because of our love for him we are sent to the world around us to live to get we surrender we live together in love and we share that love to the world around us so that we too are part of romancing this world that is all torn apart. Our king is exalted. We are here both to celebrate the incarnation and to live it out to the world around us. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Thank you that the word, the Lord Jesus Christ, is now exalted on high. Thank you that for the privilege that we have 
to have that seed planted within us and to be made new and to be surrender to you to live out that love together as your people and that we would then share it to the world father thank you for the gift of the babe in the manger which was your love breaking through into perfection into this chaotic world and that we get to participate in what you continue to do in and through us father we thank you And as we finish, I'd like to leave you with this poem from Teresa of Avia. And I've pluralized it for us this morning. Christ has no body now but ours. No hands, no feet, no earth but ours. Ours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this chaotic world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands through which he blesses all of the world. Ours are the hands, ours are the feet, ours are the eyes. We are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but ours. As we go into this week, let's remember God who became one of us, Go in peace to love and serve the Lord and celebrate this Christmas. Thank you.